0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Benefit, a podcast where we talk about issues impacting patients, consumers, and affordable access to prescription drugs and better healthcare through the work being done by pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs. I'm JC Scott. Thank you for joining me. Even before the COVID 19 pandemic, the healthcare system was evolving at a rapid pace due to new technologies and patient preferences. That evolution is accelerated in many ways as a result of the pandemic, changing just about everything in the way people live their lives, how they do their jobs, see their doctors, and how they get their needed prescription medications. Today's episode examines how innovations and technological advances put in place by PBMs, many long before the pandemic hit, are really now coming into focus and showing their value. Joining me today to talk about technology and PBMs is someone who has focused a great deal of attention on the topic of innovation. Mustafa Kamal is the Chief Executive Officer of Magellan RX. In his role, Mustafa is responsible for all of Magellan's pharmacy business lines, including commercial, government, and specialty pharmacy divisions. One of his and his company's goals is to deliver innovative, best in class drug management solutions to help clients improve health and cost of care. Mustafa also sits on the board of the Pharmaceutical Care Management Association, or PCMA. Mustafa, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you, jC. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me today. So
0: maybe to start out before we we get deep into the conversation, for those who may not be familiar with Magellan RX, walk us through who you are and the and the evolution of the company.
1: Sure thing. You know, simply put, Magellan RX exists to help solve complex pharmacy challenges for our customers. Our focus is really on driving improved health outcomes and affordability for the people that we serve and really JC you know our secret sauce lies in our people. Our people are problem solvers, they're idea generators and we're energized by discovering new and better ways to bring cutting-edge solutions to our clients. And think about how Magellan RX came to be, we're really born of a deep and rich history as pioneers in specialty drug management. And that's coupled with a a long track record of partnership with state Medicaid programs where we care for the most vulnerable population. So we've always specialized, we like to say, we've always specialized in doing the hard stuff. And over the last decade, we've merged the experience from both of those businesses and we've expanded across all market segments. So we're now serving health plans, employers, union groups, uh, government programs in both Medicaid and Medicare. And it's really been a blast to to be here and to help build Magellan RX alongside all of our dedicated employees who are just uh, super enthusiastic about the industry and where we can go from here.
0: Terrific. And and your mention of Medicaid as part of the roots of the company, I want to I want to circle back to that in a little bit because as as we both know, unfortunately, we're living through a time uh, where the economy is shifting and a lot of people are moving onto the Medicaid roles. Uh, and I'm I'm going to preview for you that I'm going to look for your perspective on. What that means for the healthcare system in a second, but I do want to uh, to talk a little bit about you first and, and have you tell us about your personal history with Magellan. What motivated you to join the company, and, and what really excites you about the work that you're doing?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I uh, I've been in the PBM space for over a decade. I've been at, I've been with Magellan for roughly eight years. Prior to that, I was with a company called Medco Health Solutions. For those folks that followed PBM. Uh, back then, it was one of the largest PBMs and now a part of Express Scripts. And similar, I think it's a similar answer that you'll you'll get when you talk to anybody who's in the PBM space is that, you know, nobody uh, really comes up, comes up saying that they're going to be a PBM employee or a PBM executive. I was actually um, working in the travel industry. I've got an economics background. I was doing a lot of pricing and underwriting type work. And I, uh, I got a call unsolicited from Medco and they were working on building pricing function department and i remember the first thing i thought was what's a pbm and i you know after i got to uh, understand the important work that pbms do and the uh, and meeting the team i was sold and and since then i've been i've been working in this space for for quite some time i've been in this role as the ceo of magellan rx for about 5 years prior to that i ran our specialty drug division prior to that i was in a number of uh, underwriting pricing and analytics role and you know the thing the one thing that really strikes me about pbms where you know i feel pbms are unique it's really in that they live at the nexus of caring for people delivering and managing technology and innovation and generating savings for the healthcare system and i've really found that combination to be what makes this work very fulfilling and compelling and the opportunity to come to uh, Magellan RX early on when we were first starting to build out the the pharmacy capabilities was really a, an exciting opportunity for me as it's clear that there are opportunities all over the place in healthcare for us to rethink the way we do things introduce new and innovative concepts and Magellan really provided a great opportunity for us to start building with that premise in mind
0: Terrific. And that's and that's most of what I'd like to talk to you about today, Mustafa, is that that technological angle and how those innovations are enabling your company and others in the industry to to do a better job with the other two pillars that you mentioned, caring for people and, and managing costs. But before we get into sort of the, the forward futuristic looking part of the conversation, let's let's talk about the Medicaid piece since since you raised that at the top. As you and I were just, just discussing, the Medicaid population is likely to only grow in the in the near future given the economic situation. What are the ways that PBMs play a role in in helping states to manage Medicaid, both in terms of serving the Medicaid population and, and helping with the budgetary cost, which can often be overwhelming for state budgets? Can you just talk a little bit about the role the PBMs and, and Magellan play in Medicaid?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that uh, for for the question there, because I I do think it's a very important part of our healthcare system. Medicaid is uh, a critically important program. It's an important safety net program, and we know that states across the country have budgetary pressures, just like businesses have budgetary pressures, and therefore there there is a lot of similarity. Uh, between what we do for commercial businesses that are looking to provide quality healthcare to their membership, Uh, you know, very similar to what we do with states in terms of leveraging PBM tools. Now, there are some, you know, nuances about uh, Medicaid that are are critical to remember. And, you know, again, the the state budget pressures, the fact that it's a very vulnerable population, um, you know, the the population, you know, within Medicaid for folks that have behavioral health conditions or other comorbidities, they can be two to four times uh, the cost of, of an average patient. And so it's really important for us to bring solutions and capabilities to the table that allow us to bring case managers, care managers, better whole person care, type of uh, focus to these patients to be able to deliver better outcomes. You know, what we do today is we're, we're working with 26 states in D.C. to do bringing a, a variety of PBM tools to the equation. We're helping to lower the cost, negotiate prices on behalf of the states, delivering the technology solutions to allow for claims processing and allow for a prior authorization administration and real-time uh, tools to help doctors move through the processes in an efficient manner and what we found is working very closely hand in hand with the states understanding the populations understanding that within a medicaid population it's just, it's not just one profile of patient there are multiple different cohorts within medicaid and you've got to be able to bring tailor-made clinical solutions to drive better outcomes and to drive the affordability. And we're, we're very proud that we've been able to help support over half the states in the country accomplish better care and, and better affordability.
0: So, Mustafa, let me ask you one, one follow up question on that, because I think that, that you and I have both encountered and, and others in the industry that uh, perhaps there is not a full appreciation of the importance of what you just described, the work that PBMs can do for Medicaid. Oftentimes, with policymakers, we, we encounter skepticism about the role the PBMs play and, and perhaps a desire to more design systems that limit the use of PBM tools. What, what do you think is the missing link? What, what should we be communicating to policymakers so that they better understand what you were just explaining to us?
1: Well, you know, I think that there, there are a lot of different sources of information and there are a lot of different reasons why people say the things that they say. You know, the things that have been criticized uh, on the commercial side are when you really break when you really break it down are, are tools that drive lower costs. It's just a matter of where the cost is going to. So rebates, I mean rebates are a mechanism. It's a private sector mechanism to driving down pharmaceutical drug costs where those rebates end up really has been a topic of debate on the commercial side on the medicaid side 100% of all those rebate dollars flow back to the state and the state uses it to help provide more services to help improve the affordability for the state to help with the budget considerations so it's actually interesting to see that you know a topic like rebates which is Sometimes a a topic that is criticized on the commercial side is actually an essential PBM tool on the Medicaid side that allows us to deliver more care to more people and to help the states do that in a way where they don't uh, completely blow up their budgets. You know, same things with uh, claim edits and safety tools and, you know, making sure that the patients are adhering to certain drug lists. Uh, you know, in the, in the Medicaid wor- world, it's called a PDL, a preferred drug list. In the commercial world, it's called the formulary. So I think it's just important to recognize that when you when you look at it from an intellectual standpoint, the tools that PBMs uh, have created over the years, are really very effective tools to drive affordability and better care. And I think a lot of the debate on the commercial side has been about where the value of those tools, where where the dollars are accruing, whether it's to the patient or the employer, et cetera. And I think in, in our conversations with policymakers, it's really important to make that distinction because without PBMs, you, you don't really have the mechanism to deliver better value in the uh, pharmaceutical uh, world,
0: terrific. Well, well, well. Hopefully, we can continue to help drive that understanding um, because I, th- I think what you've just articulated for us really underscores the importance of the work that the PBMs are, are doing, uh, perhaps now more than ever as uh, the pressure on Medicaid grows. But l- let's shift gears a little bit, Mustafa, and and talk a little bit about the technological side. You've talked about PBM tools and innovation. A lot of that to me is reflected in some of the technological disruptions that we've seen over time, and then how those are being leveraged by, by industry to, to meet the care management and cost management pieces of the agenda. So, so let's start at a high level because over the years I've heard you talk a lot about how important disruptors are in healthcare and how PBMs fit into that. We're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, which in some ways is is really the ultimate disruptor. How are you thinking about your earlier theories on disruption in healthcare? Do they still hold, and, and if not, what's changed in your mind?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm very passionate about this topic and I think it's uh, disruptors and disruption is, is really critical to any well-functioning market. The the good disruptors put the customer at the center of their priorities and they focus on reducing or eliminating the inefficiency in the processes and the abrasion in the processes. And so, you know, this that really, when you think about where the abrasion and inefficiency come, comes from, it's generally caused by Established companies that don't evolve to address changing consumer needs and preferences and knowing what your customers want and better yet, anticipating what your customers will want and relentlessly focusing on delivering that wow factor. Is so important, and I think disruptors, you know, they do a great job of coming into an industry and identifying those areas. the The only thing that really has changed with respect to my views on disruption and innovation, with respect to uh, COVID nineteen, is really just that the pace uh, with which disruptors need to move has increased pretty dramatically. I think COVID nineteen magnified the importance of this philosophy and, and created a need for an even faster pace of disruption and innovation. You know, I've heard Jeff Bezos say multiple times, you, you'll never hear a customer say, I love Amazon, but I wish they didn't ship so fast. Or, <laughs> you know, I love Amazon, but I wish their prices were just a little bit higher. Well, you know, there are analogs to that in our industry. You'll never hear a member say, I wish it took longer to get my drug approved. Or, you know, I wish it was a bit more expensive. Or you, So there are principles around how you create utility for patients how you create utility for prescribers and how you create utility for clients in what we do that make make us valuable in in their everyday workflow and so i think with you know with covid-19 obviously we had a massive acceleration of people moving to work from home we had a massive acceleration of you know a lot of, lots of businesses that that were you know losing revenue or not able to operate. We had you know folks doing a lot more shipping of what drugs and other goods home. And so being able to respond very quickly to those shifting consumer needs in the um, uh, during this pandemic has been really important. And companies that have that that DNA, I think are able to move to move a lot more quickly and and have a higher chance of delighting customers. And you know I think the um, the PBM industry has always been an industry that's in my view been had an amazing way of redefining itself you know every few years and we I think the industry has done a relatively good job of making sure that we continue to move with consumer needs to to make sure that we're driving utility to to as I said patients providers and clients.
0: So let's talk about some of the specific sort of accelerated disruptions as a result of COVID. You mentioned home delivery and mail order is one. And, and it strikes me that on your website, you have an article about the possibility of drone technology being used to deliver drugs to customers' homes, which in some ways feels pretty futuristic. But as, as you mentioned, Amazon and others are already thinking about this. And with the volume of stuff that my family seems to order off of Amazon, I'm, expe- I'm expecting a, a line of drones in the sky any day now outside our house. <laughs> But um, I'm curious for your thoughts on, on when we see that manifest in the delivery of of prescription medication, because I know I know a lot of people, uh, to your point, really have realized the value and convenience of having the option of mail or home delivery during the pandemic. How do you see that that evolution taking place?
1: Yeah, wouldn't it be fun? It would be in in in. Uh a world where, you know, we're spending a lot of time at home, wouldn't it be fun to have like a family event where you see the drones lining up outside that <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter, my daughter would enjoy that. Yeah. You know, on, on that point, I think um, in general, as, as, as we've seen with, with step function change in technology and innovation in general, it's hard. I think it's just part of the human condition. It's hard for people to think of change um, in exponential terms we tend to think of change in incremental terms so it's you know now it's coming with ups and maybe it'll come with some other you know autonomous vehicle and then and and the 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 move to drones seems to be so far out there in terms of an exponential change that i think a lot of people respond to it by saying hey is this really possible is this real but i truly believe that it's way closer than anybody thinks I think it's, uh, if you look at uh, what some of the most innovative companies in this space are doing, uh, there are companies that are operating outside of the United States today that are delivering blood and, uh, you know, taking care of critical patients in various countries in Africa. And they're really doing an amazing job where they've leaped over, you know, the need to. So, for example, there's a company called Zipline that you you may be familiar with, and they're really doing... We we had uh, Keller, who's the CEO, the founder and CEO of that company, present at one of our client conferences, and, and the work that they're doing just is is tremendous. And if you think about some of the places where they're operating in Africa, there aren't good roads to get from point A to point B. And so rather than trying to build that infrastructure you can leverage the the step function advancement in technology to just to really just leapfrog that and i think in the united states we're very close to being able to bring those types of capabilities in a robust way i think it's a very exciting space for us and i would you know i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing the progress there to to me it's you know for us in the us it's a lot more about making sure that the regulators catch up with the technology and and you know the boards of pharmacy and and getting through those kinds of approvals here is sometimes the long pole in the tent but i feel very optimistic that we're going to be there a lot sooner than than folks imagine
0: it's interesting that you say that cuz as i think about technological advancement and what it's meant for healthcare delivery uh, obviously the area of information sharing real time information sharing is is one that's has the potential to be a game changer in many ways has already been a game changer to your point about regulators catching up there are still lingering issues around interoperability of systems that have to be solved but from the PBM perspective can you talk a little bit about the the technologies that are brought to bear to meet consumer and patient need right there in the doctor's office when decisions are being made about prescriptions and and what other sort of real-time information availability has meant for uh, PBM's work on behalf of patients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and again, healthcare is not uh, much different from other parts of our economy and what consumers have become really reliant on. And what we've come to expect as consumers is that things are more real time, uh, things are more personalized. And if you think about what you expect when you interact with an online retailer or what you expect when you walk into an Apple store, you know, the, it, it, it's only a matter of time before patients start demanding those things in the healthcare experience. And I think when you when you look at PBMs, PBMs have been pioneers in this space. Um, you know, 40 plus years ago, the PBM world moved to online claims processing before anybody else was even thinking about that. So, you know, the the capability to do things real time is there because the the plumbing is there, and so I've been very pleased to see our industry move forward with capabilities, real time capabilities in the physician's office, like real time benefits check, benefit checks, like real time uh, pricing information, formulary information that allows you, again, going back to the point about, you know, removing abrasion and removing inefficiency, rather than have a patient, you know, trial and error, go to the pharmacy. It's not covered. You have to go call the doctor. You do that all in one shot up front, I think just makes the experience much more seamless and gets to the right product at the right cost instantaneously. And that's, you know, that is an important advancement. and I think one that we continue to build upon. And
0: what kind of tools are available? Going back to the conversation on Medicaid, for example, you mentioned that oftentimes individuals in the Medicaid population may have, be at a higher risk for health complications, and and being able to encourage and assist with medication adherence is is pretty important. How does technology play a role there? What kind of what kind of tools are available to help those individuals in in staying on their meds?
1: Yeah, technology is huge in the area of uh, adherence. So adherence is is a, as you know such a critical driver of overall healthcare costs and and preventing. Further complications and and emergency room visits, et cetera. So this is an area where you know we as an industry and Magellan RX have spent a lot of time and energy to be able to impact adherence and drive better outcomes there. And technology is critical to that because there are a couple of steps as you think about adherence. One is um, ensuring that you've got the predictive modeling and analytics needed. To be able to understand who has who's at a at a higher risk for non adherence, that's step one: identifying the population. Because you'll have within within any given po- given population, you'll find ten to twenty percent of the membership driving, you know, eighty to ninety percent of the costs and complexity. And so, being able to identify those folks, leveraging uh, as I mentioned, analytics and predictive modeling and artificial intelligence, we're able to apply algorithms to our data sets to identify those patients that are at a higher risk of non-adherence. Once you get there, you look at the um, the clinical profile of those patients, again, using our data, proprietary analytics, and technology to identify what subset of patients we, we would reach out to, taking into account things like social determinants of health and their various conditions. And then from there, you get into the outreach where you want to have specially trained individuals outreach to these patients and meet them where they are. Now there's no one size fits all to this. Some some patients, you know, want to have a phone call, some patients want to have a digital experience, some patients want to have a video call or a face-to-face experience, and being able to seamlessly plug and play all of those uh, various options is really important in in order to engage the patient and be able to drive the behavior change needed. All of this is about behavior change when it comes to adherence. You have to drive the behavior change needed in order to get the patient adherent. And there are so many different reasons why people are not adherent. You know, I was having a conversation the other day with uh, someone outside of the industry, and they were saying, "Well, you know, people just need to be more disciplined." It's not that simple. Sometimes there are cost reasons. Sometimes folks, there are shelter issues where you know someone's homeless that it's, it's not necessarily the highest priority in their mind to, to take their medication at you know, 8 a.m. every morning. So I think it's, it's really critical to get underneath the root cause and start deploying um, specially trained case managers and other tools to help uh, eliminate those barriers to drive better adherence. And technology is such an important piece of that along the entire continuum.
0: Well, Mustafa, you've been you've been very generous with your time. Maybe maybe just as we close, you know, I would reflect that that much of what we've talked about today really does fit into what you said about the industry as a whole, continuously redefining itself and evolving. We talked about how that evolution and the use of technology are changing everything from the way our medications are delivered to the way information is shared and how we empower patients in their decision making to the use of technology to help change behaviors and help patients get better outcomes through adherence. As you look ahead to what comes next, what do you think the industry is going to look like, say, a decade from now? In, in other words, what what are the next disruptors? What are the next changes? And what's that going to mean for for patients and the way that that your company serves them?
1: Now, this is really exciting when, when when you think about the art of the possible here. You know, we talked a lot about leveraging technology to provide real-time information to remove abrasion. We talked about leveraging technology to help uh, drive the proper clinical interventions. But where I think the next frontier is, is really around personalization. And that's where personalized medicine, pharmacogenomics comes into play. And I think as, as technology continues to evolve, I envision a world where we are able to customize for each individual their pharmacy experience, uh, all the way from, from you know, how we want to interact with them and all the things that we've talked about. But more importantly, about uh, your genetics and how you metabolize drugs. You know, Today, as an example, we have formularies and we work through formularies to drive product preferencing. Well, imagine a world where your formulary is based on JC's genetic code, and I'm going to get you to the right drug right from day one. When we look at what's happening on the manufacturing side, a lot of the products, a lot of the R&D and a lot of the products that are in the pipeline coming out are, are for more and more complex conditions, rare diseases, cell and gene therapy. And so the pipeline is moving in that direction. And I think PBMs can play a really important role in bringing the, um, the 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 products, which are phenomenal, ensuring that we leverage our tools to drive appropriate use and affordability, but deliver that in a much more personalized way uh, for patients. And I am excited about that next uh, that next phase for our industry because I I truly believe that that's where we need to go. And I think um, those of us who get there faster, I think will will be more successful in the long in the long run. Awesome
0: well I think we're all excited to see what comes next for the industry and and to see how we face this this really critical time in the evolution of healthcare Mustafa thanks so much for joining me today
1: Oh my pleasure JC and uh, I I'm really enjoying these podcasts you're doing an amazing job as a host I think it's a it's a hidden talent of yours
0: <laughs> well, thanks for coming along on this journey with me. I've, I enjoyed the conversation a lot. I hope everyone who's listening uh, enjoyed it as well. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to future podcasts on Google, Apple, or wherever you get access to your favorite podcast. I'm JC Scott, and this is The Pharmacy Benefit. Mm-hmm.